Lord, huh? Wow, that was really great. Well, we're continuing in our series on carols this morning. Of course, talking about O Come, All Ye Faithful. Let's look at the history of O Come, All Ye Faithful. It was written in 1774, around 240 years ago, by John Francis Wade. John Francis Wade. Here's a picture of John Francis Wade. I can assure you this was not a selfie. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure there is joy in his heart there somewhere. <laughs> Let's go back to the information. You know, it's interesting, though, when you think about John Francis Wade. Let's go back to the picture. Uh, here's a guy who was a uh, manuscript copier. So he would uh, mainly copy music for people. The printing press wasn't in that uh, wide use at that time, so there's still a lot of copying, manuscript copying going on. And that was his main job. And occasionally, he would write a hymn. <laughs> well, little did he know that 240 years later, we'd be still singing the song that he wrote. And that's a beautiful thing about being used by God. You just never know. If you're walking with Jesus, if you're seeking to do His will, you never know whose life uh, you're, is going to touch and, and their life is going to touch somebody else's life and so forth and so forth. Yeah, it's beautiful. All right, so let's go back to the details here. Uh, it was written in Latin originally, and Ades Fidelis was the uh, name. Uh, the English translator was Frederick Oakley uh, about a century later. 1871, and now, of course, it's been translated into 150-plus uh, languages and is so meaningful. Let's look at the lyrics. And, of course, this, again, is based around Luke 2, the Christmas story. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, born the King of angels. Speaking of his divinity. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord, God himself. Now the word adore is not found in Scripture, but it is a word for worship. Worship, the old English word worship, deserving of worth. This is truly a hymn of worship to God and to Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. O sing all ye citizens, we'll talk about that a little later, of heaven above. Glory to God, O glory in the highest. So again, he's reading Luke 2 about the angels that are announcing Christ's birth. Then, uh, one of my favorite verses here. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. I love how it builds and builds, and then uh, you get to this particular verse. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, speaking of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now let's go to uh, some of the key phrases here. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant, O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. 
Now, we're to worship Him. And it says that we're to come as faithful followers, as joyful followers, and, and triumphant followers. Well, maybe uh, today you don't feel that way. That's one of the challenging things about the Christmas season, is there's a lot of talk about family, there's a lot of talk about get-togethers and celebrations and joy, and that's good, but many times there are a lot of people who don't feel that way, who aren't in that spot at their time, spot in their life at that time. Uh, they're struggling. They don't feel faithful to the Lord. They're dry spiritually. They don't feel triumphant. They feel defeated in life. Uh, they don't feel joyful. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in their life, and, and they're tired, they're, they're discouraged, they're depressed about what might be taking place in their life. Maybe you're dreading going to the family get-together because of certain people that are going to be there. Uh, and maybe you're lonely because you have no family get-together to go to. You're lonely at this time because uh, you're made more aware of the lack of connection that you have with a family that's passed away. Maybe you had somebody pass away this past year in your life. And this is a very difficult time for you because of that. Uh, you're going through pain, physical pain, emotional pain, relational uh, pain. All, all kinds of pain certainly can put you in a funk, one might say. Well, I want to let you know uh, that you are not alone. You are not unusual in any way if that's the way uh, that you're feeling uh, today. That uh, it's a pretty common uh, feeling. And, and one thing that I really want uh, for you to understand this morning as we talk about worshiping the Lord, is that uh, this world is broken. This world is broken by sin. This, is, this world is not what was it intended to be uh, before Adam and Eve sinned. This world is a mess because of the curse, uh, because of uh, sinfulness that... Uh, permeates our culture, that permeates our lives. And I want to let you know that I think that uh, one of our main frustrations in life is we have too, our, our expectations are too high of what we're going to experience in this life. We think it's going to be a lot better than it is because that's what the world tells us and, of course, that's what we naturally desire. But the Bible tells us something much different. Yeah, certainly God gives us joys in life and He gives us many beautiful things, but this is a painful life because it's a broken life, broken by sin. And we need to remember that. And we'll talk about that a little further as we move into this. Now, you think about gifts at Christmas. How many of you got their Christmas shopping done out there? You're all set to go. You're ready to roll. Raise your hand high. Because uh, we're looking at you, and we know that you can minister to us. Since you are so organized and so together, we're going to recruit you. So if you can put your hands up one more time, 
so we could clearly identify you and talk to you after the service and maybe go out this afternoon and get some assistance uh, from you to some tips uh, on why in the world you would be ready by now. Uh, so that'd be great. But we're thinking about gifts during this Christmas season, and uh, I want you to think about the three gifts of salvation. Uh, the first gift that God gives us, we talked a lot about last week as we looked at O Holy Night. We looked at the gift of justification. The gift of justification. And this is freedom from the penalty of sin. What, what does God save us from? He saves us from eternal condemnation. And that is an incredible gift that God gives to us. In fact, I would encourage you, if, you're, if you feel so led, uh, to wrap up three different boxes in whatever creative way you want to do it but uh, and put in these boxes each of these three different gifts to remind everybody that gathers around the tree the three gifts that are given at salvation. So the first is justification, freedom from the penalty of sin. The second gift is sanctification, and that's freedom from the power of sin in the sense that we have a new nature, a new capacity, a new power. And as Jesus Christ empowers us and guides us and leads us, we are able to have power over sin because of the power that resides within Him. And even though we live in a broken world, a painful world, we can live in a new, different, uh, life-changing way because of this gift of sanctification. Sanctify means to be made holy, that we continue to be more like Jesus. And we no longer have to be slaves to sin. Now, that is a gift that we celebrate. So when I think about when we worship here on Sunday mornings or we worship privately, typically we're thinking about these two gifts. Usually it's sanctification because that's a daily process and we're thanking God for how He's providing for us, giving us victory, caring for us, meeting our needs. But justification also is something that we thank God for regularly. There's one gift, though, that we don't think a lot about as much as the others. And that's the gift of glorification. The gift of glorification. And this is freedom from the presence of sin. This is our eternity in heaven. This is freedom from this broken world. And so as we look at, O come all ye faithful, it's a song about worship, about adoring the Lord. And of course, we could go so many different directions with this. But as I was in my preparation, I really felt led to go in this direction. Because I, I believe that this is one thing we don't worship God enough about. So I want to remind you and encourage you in this Christmas season to be thinking about this. And I want to take us to a passage it talks about this, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. I want to read it through. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He was writing to the churches in Asia Minor, and 
You've got to remember that we here in the United States enjoy a standard of living that is very unique. Uh, again, many other countries do as well, but for the average person in the world, uh, they don't experience life the way that we do. And I think that leads to a lot of frustration because we think that you know, we should have all these different things and life should go this way where the majority of the world is just surviving day by day. And, and when we look at the New Testament, he was writing to people who were surviving day by day. They, they were just counting on, you know, hope I get some food, hope, you know, shelter, just the basics of life. So when you read the New Testament, it's not writing to people like ourselves in the sense of all the benefits of life uh, that we experience, but it's writing to people who are just surviving day by day. On top of that, not only are they poor, uh, they are persecuted, poor and persecuted. Put those two together. Not only is life tough day by day because you don't have enough, it's tough day by day because the people around you, the people you work with or you're a slave to, they're persecuting you for your faith. They're making life difficult for you. They're bringing pain into your life because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So here, this is the context. You've got to understand that as we look at what Peter has to say. Now, a couple of verses from 1 Peter that talks about their situation but what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? Now, yeah, right, well, you're going to be punished for your sin or discipline. But if when you do good, when you follow Christ and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. God is pleased when you are persecuted and you stand up under it. First Peter 5.10, And after you have suffered a little while, he's talking to these people, poor and persecuted, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory, glorification, eternity in heaven, He's called you to that place, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And I, I think this is referring to their time in heaven. Is that they're, they're weak and, and they're going through challenges and difficulties, but there's a much better future awaiting them. A time when Jesus Christ Himself will restore them, will confirm them, will strengthen them and establish them. And because they were poor and they were persecuted, that's what they thought about. Life is difficult. Well, you think about what's ahead, what the hope is. And for some people, and what should be for all of us, the ultimate hope is that we will reach heaven and we'll experience this, this place where... There is no sin whatsoever. And so many more benefits that we'll talk about here in a moment. So that's the context for all this. So now let's take a look specifically at 1 Peter 1, 3-5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, in a sense, a command. This is what Peter's asking them to do. He's saying, worship. Worship God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Peter is saying, let us adore our God and our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to give the reasons why we should adore Him, and he gives the three gifts that I just talked about. 
verse he says, according to His great mercy. And the words grace and mercy are interchangeable, but there, there is a slight nuance of difference between them. And this is a way you can remember it. Is that grace, grace has to do with our guilt. When God extends grace to us, He forgives us of our sin. So when you think about grace, think about your guilt being removed. Now, when you think about mercy, that has to do more with relieving our misery. When you show mercy, when you show compassion, you want to alleviate misery in a person's life. So, friends, when we are a slave to sin, we are miserable. And when God extends His mercy to us, then we are relieved from that misery a bondage to sin. So, according to His great mercy, and isn't it a great mercy, no doubt, He has caused us to be born again. Born again. Made new. Sins forgiven. The price for sin paid. Justification. That's the first gift. Freedom from the penalty of sin. We're born again, that's number one, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the second thing, sanctification, that idea of being made holy through the power of Christ. It's a living hope because Jesus rose from the grave. We will one day be raised again. Our bodies will be raised and will be given new bodies. We will live again. We'll live with Jesus Christ. This is the second gift, the gift of sanctification. Now we go on to the next verse. Verse 4. This is the third gift. The gift I think that we do not worship God enough for, we do not thank Him enough for, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God has an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. And it's an unbelievable inheritance. It's a wonderful inheritance. We go on and look at this picture. There's a picture of uh, people waiting I Assume for a roller coaster, I'm not sure. How many went to Great America this past year or Disney World or some amusement park? Raise your hand high if you went to some amusement park and you waited in line for a roller coaster or some other uh, type of ride. How many of you guys like to wait in line? Huh? For that two-minute experience. I, I always time it. I time how much time I'm in line, and then I time how long the ride is. And I say, was that worth it? Usually no, but <laughs> I'm a little older. Uh, I still enjoy the roller coasters. Uh, in fact, I, we were up in the Dells uh, I don't know, a year or so ago, and we are talking to these guys who just travel all over the country going to roller coasters. <laughs> God bless your heart. <laughs> but the point is that people will wait hours to get on a two- or maybe three-minute ride. Now, do you like to wait in line, really, for anything? 
But you like to wait in line for a roller coaster. Like, oh, the best part is waiting. It's waiting in the hot sun. You see, they got the misters going there. It's so fun to wait in the hot sun. It's so fun just to stand there. To stand there and stand there and stand there. It, it, it's so fun to run out of conversation with people you feel obligated to talk to for whatever reason. Right? It's so fun to wonder, why is this thing not moving at all? You're looking at the, looking at the tracks. Is anything happening here? Isn't that fun? Now imagine if you ran into somebody who was in the roller coaster line and, man, they were excited. They loved the line. I mean, they lived for the line. I mean, they were perfectly dressed. It seems like they had like a special uniform for the line to take care of all their different needs. Built in the uniform was a little stool. You know how it's hard. You know, you kind of lean up against the railing. Oh, I got to move again. Oh man, you know. And, oh, oh man. But then they got a little stool that whoop, come, pops out. You know, stand up. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while. So. And they got that going on. And then they got this little backpack. It's got everything you could ever imagine. It's got all kinds of food and snacks and get their iPad in there and that's all secure and everything. They've got it all thought out. And, and, and they're walking through the line. Yeah, and it's still hot and it's frustrating. But for them, they're doing everything they can to make the most out of the line. And they're chatting everybody up. Don't you just love that? Near the end of the day, and you're standing next to somebody who wants to talk to you. This person, you don't, and I'm sometimes that person. But uh, <laughs> I try to be sensitive. <laughs> but I mean, you're so tired, you know. And they're, they're trying, hey, where are you from? You know, what rides have you been on? Like, hey, shut up! I'm so tired. I just want to wait in this stupid line. Okay. But this person, they want, they want to make most out of the line experience. So they're having fun with everybody and that kind of thing. And when they get close, they get close to uh, the roller coaster. They're seven people away from, from getting out of this queue. They say, no, I, I just, I don't want to get out of the queue. So they, would you go ahead of me? Because I am enjoying this line so much. Could you please, no, please go ahead of me. I want to wait a little longer. I want to relish this a little more. Does that make any sense? I tell you what, friends, that's you. That's me. We are standing in a broken line. And we think this is it. We think this life is the main event. And therefore, even though the line is frustrating, even though the line is, is irritating, we're going to make the most of it. And we're going to do whatever we can to make the most out of this broken life because in our mind, really, Really, in the way we process and the way we frame things up, this is it. And we got to make the most out of this. And we got to live as long as we can because this is it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you? Yes, yes. We all live this way to whatever degree. 
We live in the line, this broken line, and we wonder why is this line so frustrating when this should be the main event? When Satan has sold us a bill of goods because the main event is heaven. The main event is the inheritance that we have there. The main event is that we are a citizen there. We are strangers and aliens passing through here. But we're confused. We've been misled. we bought into a lie that this is, this is it. And that's why we, we go through so much unneeded pain when our lives are broken sometimes in so many different ways by sin. And what do you expect? What do I expect? This is not it. Heaven is it. That is what God wants for us for eternity. This is such a short time. <clears throat> First Peter one through four, one four to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and fading, kept in heaven for you. Let's look at this next uh, picture. These are some of the well, the top four celebrity celebrities in terms of. Uh, their net worth, George Lucas, Star Wars fame, 7.3. Diana Merle, who's 90 years old, she was an actress early on. Mary D.F. Hutton was divorced from him. But she was the post-serial heiress. Maybe post-serial, you're, you're increasing her net worth. Uh, Steven Spielberg, $3.1 billion. Then you got Julia Louis-Dreyfus, remember her from Seinfeld? Three billion. Wow, what would she do? <laughs> Get that kind of money. <laughs> well, her dad uh, is a billionaire. He made all his money in energy. That's where she got a lot of that money. He's still alive. But I tell you what, friends, when you look at these people here, they are billionaires. But when they die, they're going to have the same thing that you and I have when, when we die. Uh, nothing. From this world. Nothing. They're going to leave it all behind. We're all in the same camp. You know, death is a great, great uh, equalizer, as they say. But if they or we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, now we don't take, take anything out of this world, but we have an inheritance waiting for us. An inheritance waiting for us that we cannot even begin to fathom. We look at 1 Peter 1.4, it says, To an inheritance, this wonderful gift of glorification, that is imperishable. It's not going to perish like food and clothes did in that day. Undeviled. It's not going to be devalued in any way. It's not impacted by the economy, stock market, things of that nature. No, it's, it's, it's pure and unfading. Don't you hate when clothes fade? Some, some clothes you like to fade. Some people buy pre-faded clothes, but there are certain clothes you'd like to be a certain color. And it's not going to fade, all right? Kept in heaven for you. Don't you love that? Kept in heaven. What is more secure in heaven, nothing. <laughs> it is safe. It's going to be there for you. And that's what we rejoice over. 
I mean, you think about this inheritance that we have. I mean, let's just take a moment. Think about this inheritance that we have. You know, being in Jesus Christ's presence 24-7. That's the heart of it right there, right? Being with Him. Enjoying Him. Experiencing Him like we've never experienced uh, before. Then, uh, and then, then just the people. <laughs> All Christ followers will be there. Past, present, future. And we'll be able to spend eternity with them. But the good thing is that we won't be sinful. And be making each other angry and <laughs> that kind of stuff, right? We're all going to get along. We're not just going to get along, but we're really going to like each other. <laughs> we're going to really love each other, you know? That doesn't happen all the time here on earth because of sin, right? But yeah, it's just, it's just going to be a party in the best possible sense of the word. I always say that, you know, God created earth and that was like, I mean, think of all the wonderful things you experience here on earth. I mean, when life is good, that's like version 1.0 and in heaven, man, that's like version 1000.0. There's no versions in between, right? Woo! You're right up to the top. And then, of course, obviously, no, no presence of sin, no pain, no death, no crying, physical, emotional, relational, psychological, spiritual pain. You name it, it's not there. No tears. Just joy. Joy, joy, joy. And uh, the most beautiful thing is that we are holy and perfect inside. And we don't do damage to ourselves by sinful choices. We can't make sinful choices because we are holy. You see, the problem is that uh, so many of us think about heaven, you know, with these stereotypes about playing harps. Who plays a harp anymore? Thank God for anybody who does. But, uh, you know, we can't relate to that. Or, you know, choirs are the big thing. Who sings in a choir anymore? Again, I used to sing in a choir. I love choirs. They're great. But the majority of people, I mean, pretty much, uh, there are very few people that sing in choirs anymore. Okay? So we can't relate to it. It's like, I don't want to go to heaven. That's boring. No, 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 no. It's not heaven. If you study the Word of God, it's very much like this earth, yet it's perfect. You're going to be busy. You're going to be engaged. You're going to be in relationships. You're going to be with Jesus. It's all going to be good, better than you you can ever, ever imagine. Here's a picture of uh, Prince William and Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge. and Prince George. There's Prince George there. He's having a good time. <laughs> now, what does Prince George understand about who he is and what his future holds. Not a whole lot. All he understands, like any other infant, is that pretty much life is good, as long as somebody's paying attention to me. And Prince George gets more attention probably than the average infant, but at the same time, I mean, it's all about him. And he, he just really has no clue what's going on. Just take care of my needs, you know, Fulfill my pleasures and desires and feed me and all that kind of stuff, and it's all good. 
He doesn't understand much right now, right? But the point is that he, as he grows older, he's going to start to understand who he is, what his future holds uh, for him. He might be king someday or whatever. <laughs> you see, that's the way it is in, in the Christian life, but we are stunted. Now, George is going to uh, quickly experience all these things, and they're going to become real uh, to him. The problem is, yes, we do experience wonderful things here in life, in our, in our relationship with Jesus. But really, it's kind of like in heaven that it really, you know, it's kind of like, like that, okay? So the problem is that we don't think enough about heaven. We don't think enough about our citizenship there. We don't think about enough the fact that we're hidden with Christ and God sitting uh, right next to God because we're in Christ uh, in the heavenly uh, throne room. Uh, we don't think enough about that, so we're just thinking about this world. But, but, but ideally, and that's why I'm teaching you this, is we need to be aware of where we're going and who we are and, and so we can fully understand and appreciate that this world is broken. It's a broken line that we're waiting in. It's difficult. It's always going to be challenging, but we have a greater hope. We have an inheritance that's waiting for you. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, But it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, or the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now meditate on that verse this week. And always take your message notes home and use this as a part of your time alone with God just to, to, to think about that. Wow, what, what, what does God have in store for me? Philippians uh, 3.20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the whole idea here, is that this is not the main event. But that we are citizens of heaven, we're strangers and aliens passing through, and we need to build into our life the spiritual discipline of thinking about our future. Thinking about what this is all about. Thinking about why we're here on earth. We are here on a mission. And it's a difficult mission. It's not easy. But again, someday... We're going to go home. We're going to go home, home, where we're going to experience perfect delight and joy. In verse Peter 1, verses 4 and 5, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, this idea of salvation is that it comes in stages. You know, we, we, we've experienced the... Uh, salvation from the penalty of sin if we've come to Jesus. And then secondly, we're now experiencing that sanctification process of freedom from sin and walking with Christ. But the biggest part, the most significant part of our salvation, in a sense, uh, the way that when it, it comes to full fruition is still ahead of us. All right? And it's being protected there. And who's protecting it? The Holy Spirit, First Peter excuse me, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it to the praise of His glory. You see, when you become a Christ follower, put your faith in Him, what immediately happens, the Holy Spirit comes into you, He takes up residence within you, and He seals your salvation. He is a guarantor. He is the, 
the, the uh, uh, deposit, one might say. Because you, you have the Holy Spirit within you, this inheritance is yours. And He is the one who testifies to that. He testifies to the fact that you are a follower of Christ. And that inheritance, when you get to heaven, yeah, that's yours. Yeah, that's yours. It, it belongs to you. That's why uh, Paul says in Philippians 1.21, uh, again, the same uh, letter where he talks about being a citizen. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, if you really, if you really believe this, you would say the same thing. And again, we're all on different uh, journeys of maturity. But how much do you really believe that if you were to die today, and, and obviously you have all the emotional issues involved and that, and things of that nature. But Paul really meant this. For me to live as Christ and to die as game because he was at a level of maturity where he fully understand what it meant to go to heaven and to receive this inheritance. Again, it talks about in Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. His glorious inheritance in the saints. It's glorious. Then Colossians 3.1. Here's another beautiful verse to meditate upon to help you to grow in, in understanding your citizenship in Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And this really is kind of the, the key application point, I guess you could say. He said, if you're living for heaven, if you're living for glorification, if you're living for inheritance, if you're living for uh, the life after, if you're just in the line and you accept the fact that you're in a broken line and it's frustrating and that kind of thing, if you do that, then, then live for Jesus. Live for eternity. Everything you do as you go through each day, today is a day I'm investing in God for eternity. This is not a day that I try to make the line better. This is a day when I invest in the future. When I invest in the kingdom. When I try to bring other people with me. When I invite people out to Christmas Eve services because I know that they can experience the inheritance if they hear about it. And God works within their heart every day. Do not let your main goal be to seek what's in this world. But to seek the things that are above. To seek Jesus. To seek to know Him. To follow His Word. That's what it means to live as a citizen of heaven. Again, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> as I introduced on Thanksgiving, you can take out this yellow sheet. Uh, I, I want to continue to encourage you as you go throughout this Christmas season. This is a great way to seek what is in heaven. To seek Jesus Christ. Again, these statements, these statements talk about who you are in Jesus Christ and what your life should be about as you look forward to that inheritance. Just out of curiosity, how many have been using this on a regular basis? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. 
Okay, raise your hand high so I can see it. Okay, all right. Well, I really would encourage you to use it, guys, during this month of December as we celebrate our relationship with Jesus. Whatever way you want to use it, just interact with it. Look up the Scriptures. And so let's stand together and let's read through this again as a confession of who we are in Christ. All right. I am accepted. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and I am one spirit with Him. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that the good work that has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I can find grace and mercy in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am the salt and light of the earth. I am a branch of the true vine, a channel of His life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-worker. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. I am God's workmanship. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's thank Him. Let's give Him the glory. Let's worship Him, all right? Come on now. Come on. A little more energy. Worship. Friends, this sums it all up. These statements sum up the three gifts we've talked about. The gift of justification, sanctification, and most importantly, as we talked about today, glorification. And my point is, as you focus in, as you meditate, as you think, as you remind yourself every day who you are in Christ, seeking what is above and not what is seeking here on earth. Friends, it is something that takes a long, long time. You have to work this. You have to think about it. You need to pray to God's power that He would transform your heart and mind to realize you are on a mission. You are a stranger and alien. You're living for heaven. You've got to ask the Lord to do a work in your life to change your orientation, to change the way you think. And I tell you what, it's going to bring great blessing in to your life. Again, just some simple ways up here that I've listed. Uh, read these aloud, daily meditation on different verses. Put the public phrase there on Facebook. Also, just want to mention we have some uh, next steps here. If you take out your communication slip, and uh, if any of these apply to you, these are also found in your message notes. We encourage you, boy, Christmas Eve services are coming. You've got cards there. Get those cards out. Again, remember, every time you gift a card out, uh, you're giving uh, that person, or you're really allowing the Holy Spirit to use you to lead that person to know Jesus. Uh, pray daily, biblical affirmations, 
Uh, again, our verse, Matthew 5:16. And if you want to know more about Jesus, if you've not received any of these gifts, please let us know. Well, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the time you've given us. And Lord, I pray that we would sing with all our heart uh, in worship as we worship and adore you for justification, sanctification, and our future glorification. In Christ's name, amen.